It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't get up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. Let me say good day to you all, to you chads. To you, Stacys, to you, incels, to you, LARPers. <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the name of this podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit today, maybe even singing a little bit today, although not as fancy singing as I wanted to do because I've had a very busy, uh, busy week leading up to this. Ran out of time for an interesting new project doing for my, uh, my PR firm, but we're going to do a little bit of fun with the new FBI list of terms that are going to get you in trouble. Terms that add you to the watch list as <laughs> they are extra super cool. It's like if your grandmother had made a list of terms, it's like, well, these are the dangerous peoples out there. It's the insults. It's the bastards of us. It's going to be fun, but that's going to be a little bit later. First, guys, I want to welcome you to our show, Mean Age Daydream. I'm, of course, Brian McWilliams, your beautiful, wonderful host. And I want to remind you, if you're watching this, if you're listening to it, please share the show. Please tell a friend. Please subscribe. And especially on YouTube, hit the notifications button if you're on there. Same thing with Rumble. But YouTube especially, we're finally off the shadow banning after years and years and years. So we're trying to get that channel back up and running. We're starting to get some good traction there. Of course, we missed out on the YouTube train because we were banned, essentially banned from being able to be seen for years because they kept giving a strike after strike after strike for sharing accurate information with you, our beautiful audience. So please make it up to us for all these years of effort we put in for you guys by hitting that notifications button, hitting that subscribe button. And of course, if you watch on YouTube as well as download the podcast, which of course I also appreciate that, especially as we get into lawn mowing season, you can also really appreciate the meme wars show that we do on Fridays now, almost every Friday. Sometimes we mix it up a little bit, but typically we're going to select some memes. We're going to talk, me and John going through, and those are much more enjoyable if you can see them. We do describe them for you to uh, give your ear holes pleasure, but it's more fun if you can watch. So check that out. Again, please guys support the show and uh, including all the Patreon stuff. Patreon, locals, we're on all those doing a lot of bonus content. So give us some support. All right, let's get into it. Now, first things first, I mean, there's kind of a lot I want to talk about this episode honestly too much that I want to talk about this episode, but you know, you run out of time. So I'm just going to go through a few different things. Number one is the pandemic is officially over guys. Yes. The pandemic is over. Joe Biden finally assigned the papers to end the pandemic emergency as declared over COVID-19. Yeah. It should have never been an emergency to begin with. It's ridiculous that it was ever declared an emergency. It's ridiculous that three years after two weeks to, to, uh, curb the spread. We're still dealing with the fallout. We'll be dealing with the fallout for this for decades. Uh, when it comes to education, when it comes to business, when it comes to personal finance, when it comes to inflation, when it comes to global supply chains, when it comes to just about everything, including our very own health, because as we know, there is that increased risk of myocarditis and pericarditis and everything else and blood clots and all these other things that the MRI vaccines were related to. And on an interesting side note, Sweden has now eliminated recommendations for any COVID vaccine, except in very specific circumstances. That is 
in regards to people that have a very, very specific type of illness that may increase their risk of dying dramatically from something like a COVID, uh, COVID virus, people that have, you know, severely compromised immune systems for whatever reason and are still able to take this vaccine, that's the same. Then you can use it for that. Great. Otherwise, they don't recommend it for anything. Across the board, Sweden's like, absolutely no. Absolutely not. I'm sorry, not Sweden, Switzerland. So that is an interesting little white pill there that at least one of these foreign governments has finally said no more of this nonsense. And on top of that, the best news is that they're also making the government liable. So if you do get a vaccine, it is not a blanket immunity like we have given Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca and whatever else you might use here in the United States, where they can inject you from now to eternity, which is part of why these people are continuously boosting because they have nothing to fear. There's no fallout from this because they have been given immunity. That was such an important key in them adding it to the child inoculation spectrum of things they shoot our kids up with because... Once you're on that schedule, once the CDC adds you to that vaccination schedule, whether or not you say I want it or not, well, you are liable pretty much from now until the end of time. I'm sorry, you're not liable. You've got immunity. But let's get back to this pandemic. So Joe Biden officially finally ends this thing. Great. Now, I still saw some asshole running down the street jogging. So, you know, they're not in bad shape. You know, they're probably not at risk to, to really fall and keel over from anything regarding to COVID or, or even the simple cold with a bandana over her face on the very day that the pandemic <laughs> is declared over. <laughs> I guess she didn't get the memo. I guess Joe Biden didn't fax it to her. But I'm just shaking my head because at the same time, you've got this pandemic finally ending all well and good. But we are consistently inundated with a state of natural emergencies and, and you know, national and natural and uh, emergencies declared over ridiculous things. Like, for instance, I was reading as I was just curious going into this. I said, how many emergencies that were declared national emergencies are still in effect? And right now, there's still something like cause the, the most up to date data I could find was from 2019. So I'm sure there's many more natural, nat, I keep saying natural, national emergencies that have been declared by various presidents over the time. Trump had a bunch of them. A lot of these are declared natural. I can't stop saying it. My brain's got completely freaking Chad tarted over here. National emergencies that are based around very, very specific instances like uh, Robert Mugabe. And how we we want to oppose people supporting Robert Mugabe, or we want to we want to oppose people that are supporting the Syrian rebels that we don't like, not the ones we do like. These are the natural. I can't. I swear to God, I can't stop doing it. National emergencies that are declared by presidents. And what's so funny? The one I was reading that I was really chuckling at. And this was this is from Donald Trump. I'll read it to you. This is from November twenty seventh, two thousand eighteen. A national emergency with respect to blocking property of certain persons contributing to the situation in Nicaragua was declared by President Trump in response to violence and the Ortega regime's, quote, systematic dismantling and undermining of democratic institutions and the rule of law that constitutes a, quote, unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security and foreign policy of the United States. That is the shit that constitutes a national emergency. That's a natural emergency. I, I just, I can't imagine how in any way, when you think about a national emergency, 
you would think that the level of inflation is more of a national emergency. You would think, and, and the opioid epidemic's on there is great. So we got, got one check off that I guess could be considered a national emergency, the fentanyl emergency. And again, I'm glad, I, I'm sure that there's many other that have been declared, but there's so many of these things and it's so easy to declare them. And then as we see, they never really go away half the time. This one only ended, the pandemic only ended because it was such a publicly visible thing, because they were still getting pushback on these irrational policies that were put, put into place over this, this ridiculous scare attack that the greatest public psyop that's ever been run, as far as I can tell. And granted, I had put a poll up. Actually, the greatest psyop that's ever been run is the Federal Reserve and modern, modern monetary theory. The concept that the Fed has your back, the concept that the Fed can control the monetary supply to protect the interests of the general population instead of simply being a tool to fund the worst policies, the biggest militarism, the hegemony of the United States, big banks and whatever the hell they want to do. That is what it is for. That is what it has always been for, that it was created to do specifically. The Fed, and also the Fed's gone through five different iterations, people. There have been like four Feds in front of that Fed that all were eliminated because the population wised up and said, no more of this shit, get rid of it. And then the last one put into place was so diabolical and that was so ingrained that it's hard for us to rise up and throw it backwards. But I digress. I did run a poll saying, and this is on a Twitter poll, and uh, I should just bring up the actual results. I ran a poll asking, what do you think is the greatest experiment that has been run on the population and which will have the greatest long-term effect? All right. I thought, okay, that's a pretty interesting question. Now, the ones that I put on here were mRNA vaccines. What uh, The next one is affirmative care slash trans, modern monetary theory, and medical authoritarianism. Now, Naturally, the pandemic ties into medical authoritarianism. And one of the issues I have with this quote unquote end to the pandemic is that the United Nations, and I've talked about this on the show before, the United Nations has a pandemic treaty, which all of these Western nations and all of the established first world countries are all signing. Frankly, I think just everybody's signing it in mass. Now, while this doesn't explicitly give the World Health Organization control over our pandemic response, we saw what happened when they didn't have to have that to begin with because every goddamn recommendation that the World Health Organization made was instantaneously adopted by all of these countries worldwide. No matter how stupid, no matter how uh, full of bullshit, no matter how much they misled the general population as far as the data, as far as the transmission rates, as far as the vaccines, all of these were things were lies. Passed forward by the CDC and the World Health Organization, you'll recall... Dr. Fauci regularly said, well, I just follow the WHO's recommendations. I'm just going until the WHO tells me and I just say, okay, they're the science and I'm the science. We're all the science. Cool. So even though we've ended our pandemic emergency here, at any point in time, should this pandemic treaty go through, the World Health Organization can instantaneously say, hey, everybody, pandemic, put on your pandemic hats, everybody. Pull up your pandemic pants. We got to go out and pandemic. Lock everybody in their houses again. Here's our recommendations. Everybody's got to wear six masks again and, and walk around with their heads up their asses for three fucking years. Everybody's got to close their businesses down. Everybody's got to sh close the shipping lanes down. So I don't take a lot of solace in the fact that this pandemic has ended because it seems almost that they've trained us now. And I think this is intentional as to why this pandemic lasted so long, but trained at least half the population. The idiot I told you was running around with a bandana on three years after this pandemic started. 
They've conditioned us to accept a certain level of authoritarianism. So for me, I thought it was interesting to put medical authoritarianism on here as well as modern monetary theory, affirmative action or affirmative care and trans and the vaccines. Modern monetary theory ended up getting the most votes, 47.7%. Uh, this poll, I had a good, good interaction at almost 500 votes on this poll. MMT, number one. I do agree that that's going to have the most damaging effect on the population in the wrong, long run for the reasons I said earlier, because not only the inflation, not only the destabilization of so many currencies, ironically, the destabilization of currencies is really what the Fed does. And every society, by the way, that's grown at the length and level that the United States has, all these highly developed societies have all, all collapsed primarily because of their money. Meanwhile, places that were on gold standard had economies that you couldn't stop. They would become, they would become the lenders. They would become, I mean, we're, there's a reason why we're all freaking out now because we're trying to get away from the dollars, the petrocurrency, the petrodollar, right? Because that does play into everything going on here. It ties into how our money is used, the value of it, the transactional value of it, our savings accounts. Point being, modern monetary theory not only impacts our direct inflation, but it also impacts the level of militarism in the world. It impacts the level in which these governments can operate, that they can spread, that they can uh, continue to push not only militaristic programs, but social programs, that the banking, uh, the banking can just expand the monetary supply almost infinitum, because as I've discussed in the show a lot, it's not just that the Fed is giving the banks money at, at virtually zero interest rates at this point in time. It's also that those banks lend the money out at 10 times what they bring it in at, right? Because you give the bank money, well, it's not that it just sits there. They lend it out on top of it. And because of fractional reserve banking, which is now something like less than 1% of your reserves, this is why these banks can collapse in a day when people go in and try to make a run on them like Silicon Valley Bank or uh, Federal Bank or you know, Signature Bank, if you believe that that was from a run and not from the Fed shutting them down over crypto. That's why they can fail so instantaneously, because the requirements for what they have to keep in the bank are almost nil. As far as hard fact, you know, here's the money. We have the money right here. And the Fed enables that. The Fed is at fault for this because the banks have to get the money from somewhere. And that is the Fed at this point in time, not the actual borrowers, not the people that are actually putting money in those institutions. The amount of money they have exists so far beyond what the reality of cash that has been placed in those institutions actually should be, that it is something that will make you stay up late at night. Because it, it, It's so once it starts to unravel, it's going to be very difficult to stop. So modern monetary theory agreed. Number one, the second was medical authoritarianism with 19.9%. Like we're talking about now we've got the conditioning of the population to accept these types of lockdowns. That authoritarianism can be used as all sorts of a gateway into other things, other methods of control, like with China and their social credit system, like with um, central bank digital currencies, right? Because when you get into this point of medical authoritarianism, well, they're controlling where you can go. Now, as we saw with some of these protests in Canada, and don't forget, the protests in Canada were over medical fascism, medical authoritarianism for these truckers who were trying to do their jobs and were continuously stopped at the border because they weren't vaccinated. So what did they do? They turned off their access to their money. A, a decision, by the way, which was validated by the Supreme Court in Canada because they said that it made perfect sense because, you know, it's not that it's a civil, right? It's you know, it was necessary at the time. Perfectly valid use. So legitimately, they 
the court just said, yeah, yeah, we, no problem. You're allowed to cut off people's access to their funds because they wanted to protest. So as an extension of medical authoritarianism, medical fascism, you have all of these monetary implications as well, because if they can shut your bank account off for not taking a vaccine, well, we've got ourselves a heavy, heavy problem, especially when the vaccines don't do what they're being touted for and could have a lot of health effects beyond that. But think how fast you would have had that uptake. Think how many more people, how many more children would be inoculated during this last pandemic was the threat as in Canada, but on a wider scale now, because we're talking about medical authoritarianism, we're talking about pandemic treaties, talking about everything else, and we're having centrally-backed digital currencies. Well, how about that threat? You get your shot or you don't get your money. Guessing that's going to be some pretty quick vaccine uptake. What do you guys think? mRNA vaccines came in third. Of course, we don't know the long-term effects of those yet, but we certainly have seen short-term effects in the last couple of years. Terrifying. And then affirmative care slash trans coming in with 14%. Now, the trans thing, it's a much smaller portion of the population, but it is a, it's still a grave worry um, because it is without a doubt an experiment. You know, everything they're doing right now is an experiment on a generation of kids that are having mental problems. The We don't know exactly what the effects of these drugs, these hormone treatments, the SSRIs are going to be doing. We don't know the effects on how many of these kids are going to become violent. We saw the trans shooter. There was actually a second trans shooter that was stopped by cops. We don't know the long-term effects of how many of these kids are going to have surgeries that they drastically regret, or even before that, alter their hormones forever, uh, alter their sexual ability to reproduce forever. I mean, this is a scary time. And I thank God that at least my kids are still young enough that they're not going to be in that zone of being either socially contagious as far as catching what, and and I I believe this is a lot of it, catching this victim of mentality, catching this, you know, this socially transmitted concept that somehow you should automatically be transitioning if you have the thought in your head that maybe you're not that happy. You know, maybe I should be a boy. Maybe I shouldn't be a girl. Instead of simply, you might be a tomboy, you might be gay, you might be lesbian, or you might be neither. You might just grow out of it, which is happening so often, or at least it used to be happening so often. But this is going to be a very rambling episode. Like I said, there's so many things in my mind, and all of these things are kind of tied in right now. So I'm just going to kind of do a long diatribe here. This whole issue with the trans shooter right, is also tied into gun rights right now. And it's also tied into, I think, gun violence, because all of these things overlap in many ways. And I believe that at the core of that is still, as I've discussed previously, a huge emphasis on the culture that's online. And that bleeds also into the culture entertainment, the culture in isolationism, the culture of technological dependency. But I think we have to look at the evidence behind this and why when these, you know, leftists like these Tennessee three assholes who look, I, I, I'm not that, that much in favor of booting these people out. I think that, well, the Texas legislature, I can understand them saying, look, we don't want to take this anymore. You people are being, you know, disruptive. I do think that was a, a dumb reaction on their part to kick out these two, two black representatives. But at the same time, these people were being assholes. You know, they're being disruptive, using bullhorns, whatever. I I get that. But the problem is, when we're talking about this gun legislation thing, these people all say the same thing. We have to do something. It's it's the guns are the problem. That's obvious. It's the guns. Well, guess what? I did some research into gun ownership in the United States. It's actually gone down. 
Gun ownership by household has gone down drastically, by the way, drastically. And I tweeted this out. This is another one I got a lot of response on. It's gone down drastically from the 70s, you know, from the 50s. And that's the point that people don't want to take into account. They talk about, oh, there's more guns sold in America. Well, that just means that specific people are buying more guns. The people that believe in that right fundamentally to bear arms who are worried that you're going to come and take away their guns, they are going out and buying guns. They're buying the guns that they think are most likely to be taken away from them. They're buying guns because they're concerned about you people constantly yelling that you're going to take their guns away. But as a household ownership, it has gone plummeting down. Okay. So I had to make an edit there. Where was I? Gun ownership has gone plummeting down. And yet you have these instances with mass shooting. Now, why is that? If you had so many more people that were so much more traumatized by guns, by being a prod that had legitimate uh, use experience using these weapons, why were they not going and shooting up schools and shooting up banks and shooting up whatever else? Right? Isn't that the question we should be asking here? I mean, I got to think that at this point in time, it's clearly something cultural and it's not about the guns. As much as these people want to scream and yell that it's about the guns, it seems definitively that it is not. It is about the culture. It is about social contagion of bad ideas, of divisiveness, of hatred, of people that are isolated, that don't have a check and a balance on what they're doing, who they are, and clearly people that don't know them well enough to see that they've got an issue to step in and stop them or step in and let them know that they care, step in and just be a friend to these people. I think that is really a lot of this where it, where it really comes to a crux. You have parents that are checked out. Again, technological dependency. They're either checked out or they're so busy talking about uh, virtue signaling online or posting pictures of the kids. They don't actually know their kids. They don't actually give them uh, any sort of time to talk to them. They're not sitting down and discussing life with them. They're not talking to them about their day, about their friends. That's not happening anywhere near as much. At the same time, you have kids that are isolated in the just in the ways they interact. The ways in which these kids interact now is so much on social media rather than in person, rather than having a one-on-one discussion, getting off of that grid and going out and walking around and having a, you know, having a lunch, going to the dinner, walking around the mall, whatever it might be. Instead, every interaction is on social media now. Now, there is a problem with being disconnected in that way and that you are always going to feel lonely, even if you have a large friend group, you're always going to feel lonely and isolated and you're always going to feel that you're not good enough because of the way these things are curated, number one. And number two, that the less you feel connected on a real personal level to friends, the more you feel isolated, the more you feel that the only things that matter are online and less about your interactive persons uh, that you might spend time with one-on-one or, as I said, discussing your day, you're also more worried about online social judgment and impact than you are about personalized judgment and impact. And I think that that is a lot of what we have to think about too here. When you, when you look at doing a horrible act, when you look at doing something heinous, like shooting up a goddamn school, shooting up kids, that tells me that you are not worried about any accountability from anyone in your life that's close to you. You're looking for accountability and recognition only from the people in your online sphere. You're not worried your best friend is going to go, I can't believe that, you know, Bob did this or Sheila did this, or if you want to turn into, 
you're obviously not worried about your parents losing their faith and respect for you because that's that's gone. There's no connection there. And so you have to ask yourself, is this a cultural problem pushed forward by social media, pushed forward by inattentive parents and bad teachers that aren't held accountable and that are, again, much more worried about these divisive woke issues and pushing forward their union bullshit than they are about actually connecting with students and making their lives better? Is it based in that isolation that these kids are feeling and that they just don't care? Like, I mean, I I can't think about doing something that heinous without thinking about what my parents would think of me. I can't think about dying from like, let's say I did a bunch of drugs and had an overdose, right? My primary concern is, holy shit, my wife and my kids. And my secondary concern is, what are all those people going to think of me that I respect? How much are they going to be disappointed in me for letting them down by the actions I've taken? And I think there is a lot of that. A lot of that cohesion in the community is lost, not just with friends, but with a cohesion in your community to also worry about what people do think of you. And yes, you should be concerned on some level what people think of you. There is such a thing as a cultural norm for good, a moral good that everybody should hold up as a standard and say, this is what we should look to strive to. And I think that's also been eliminated from society in many ways. I'm not going down the path of being a religious uh, fanatic. I'm not one of those people who has found God and I probably will never find God. But I have talked before about how I do think that, without a doubt, a lack of religion in the United States is leading to counter-religions of which trans cult is one, climate cult is one, um, you know, these incel groups are one. Even You could even argue that you know, the alt-right, as, as formed in these more nationalist organizations, is the response to a lack of religion on some level, shape, or form. And I think that... In response to that, you do have a social cohesion that's breaking up. When you see these problems also in different secular societies like Sweden, you know, again, the Nordic countries, which are a little bit less super religious in one way, but they were at least they were at least uniform in their beliefs, what they found to be good, what they found to be bad. And I guess they were fairly, still fairly religious. I don't know why I'm saying that. But my point was that it was a monoculture in what they believed in, the hobbies, the pastimes, the interests. And then that was all completely ruined when they started doing mass, mass immigrations of people that had no interest in becoming part of that culture. And it really started to splinter the society. And you did see a lot more violence, a lot more rapes, a lot more killings, a lot more all these things spring up. Point being, it's not the guns. It's simply not the guns. No, no evidence points to that that I've seen to showcase that somehow simply having guns is made this this society uh, a violent, murderous one because none of that adds up when you look at the historical record and the trends of how all these things are going. The only thing that makes sense is the introduction of this, again, socially, you know, social contagion, as I'll, I'll, I'll call it, through social media, uh, as propagated through the entertainment sphere, as propagated through mainstream media. Uh, that seems to be the primary culprit to me in what's guiding this. Am I wrong? Possibly, but what I'm saying, I think makes a hell of a lot more sense than whatever these gun grabbers are talking about, yelling that it's solely the fault of the guns and how we have to sue the manufacturers and have to ban everybody from having these guns and whatnot. Because when you have a broken culture and a broken society and you have so many of these kids that are ending up in, you know, just becoming completely unhinged, unaccountable, sociopathic murderers that are completely devoid from reality, you have yourself a major problem that has to be fixed in that society. Otherwise, society is going to start to break down. And I think you're slowly seeing that. 
It's not, not that it can't be reversed, but you're starting to see that. And that's something that every parent now, every teacher, every family member, every neighbor should be paying attention to and how we treat each other and, and what we can try to do to push this back the other direction, try to make more personal contacts, try to expand what you're doing in your community, who you know, the impact you have on people, holding people accountable, establishing a moral standard that should be upheld. And, you know, it could be as simple as smiling at somebody on the street, guys, if we're being very honest. I don't know about you. I'm a friendly guy. I try to make an impact on people uh, as much as I can. It's just being nice, just saying hi, just just waving and nodding and being a good neighbor and being a good friend and being a good person and trying to open doors and trying to do nice things for people so they know that somebody out there actually does give a shit about them. Even if it's just a wave thank you in my car for letting somebody merge me merge in, into a lane, that stuff does add it is important to let people know that, yes, we're all in this together and I appreciate you and what you're doing. And I don't think that people realize that there is a deep psychological impact that happens when everybody starts to go, well, you know, I don't have to do that. I don't have to talk to my kid that much. I don't really, do I need to see this person today? Should I, should I reach out? Should I call this person? Or is it just enough for me to hit like on their Facebook and post on my Instagram? Makes a difference. Okay. So, <laughs> there's that uh mid-break guys want to remind you check out our our sponsor crowd health they are fantastic you could go to joincrowdhealth.com use promo code lions guys to get a uh, a fantastic discount you can get 99 a month for the first six months on what is not health insurance not health insurance it is something way better this is a basically a communally funded organization wherein you put your money in there. You can use it to go to any doctor and the community helps to fund your costs for medical care, whether that's going to the doctor, whether that's having something that's more of a, a larger life event that you need help with. The community helps to fund this. It is voluntary uh, healthcare. And Unlike all these other insurance programs, you're not restricted by it. You could go to your doctor. They pay them directly. And you can also help. We're talking about community building, like I just did, holding accountable, helping each other out. You're actively helping other people as well. It's a really interesting process that they developed here. I recommend you check it out. Take control of what you're doing with your healthcare. Go to joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LINES. Check it out. And uh, if they ask you, they won't. Tell them that Brian and the Lions Liberty sent you. All right. Let's get into some uh, some other stuff here. Said two more topics. I'll finish up with uh, Major League Baseball and climate change and the stupidest study I've ever seen done in the history of studies, which is one based around home runs that were hit out of the park. Now, yeah, one of my more popular tweets of the week, which just follow me at Brian McWilliams, got it right at the bottom of the screen there, and follow at Lions of Liberty, and uh, hilariously. For the second time in, I think, as many months, Rob Schneider, a, uh, the very famous comedian and uh, very famous non-woke, you know, rejecting uh, the woke left, rejecting the liberal policies and politics of Hollywood and embracing his libertarianism and, and yeah, up to the point where he was reading Mises and Rothbard and all that good stuff. There's a famous instance called the Schneidering, hashtag the Schneidering, wherein he was supposed to come on my show several times. And several times flaked on me and uh, famously went on Tom Wood's show, which made me enraged. And yet 
does retweet me. I'm happy for the retweets. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy for the for the exposure. Obviously, when he does that, it helps increase my visibility. It helps increase the tweets visibility. And I appreciate it. But it is also kind of like, I mean, is he trolling me? Because <laughs> I messaged him like, come on the show, Rob. Come on the show. Crickets. All right. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. That uh, that Major League Baseball tweet. Before that, I got to talk about this. And I even I even got to sing a little song. Because the FBI has introduced a brand new list of their words, which will get you flagged for being an extremist. And like I was talking about the top of the episode, they couldn't be stupider. I mean, they, they could not be more idiotically commonly used words that are not used by extremists so much as they use by people that are making fun of the FBI going after extremists or mocking people on the left or mocking, in fact, the extremists themselves. That's the problem with these fucking government organizations when they do this type of nonsense. They don't get the meme culture that these exist in. I'm sorry, but you can you can go on 4chan all day, every day. I promise you those people, uh, maybe 0.00001% of which uh, could ever be found guilty of anything real, 99.9% are just trolls having a good time making you look dumb and trying to fuck with you yet the fbi has added these terms to the list of extremism so i don't know what's the outcome going to be who knows probably nothing except they're going to try to uh lure some poor chad and stacy who are just trying to look max themselves which i had to look at that one i knew all the other ones i'll read them off to you <laughs> i'll read them off to you <laughs> But look maxing is one on there. And apparently look maxing is when you try to maximize how good you look in order to attract a mate. And then if you do, it's called something like uh, look relationshiping or something equally stupid. It's like, it's a phrase that's so stupid. But if I haven't heard of it, it's gotta be unbelievably stupid and unbelievably deep in the, in the, uh, the troll world. But the fact that it's on the FBI doc just just is beyond hilarious. So let me read off some of these words to you guys, because this is from uh, the Daily Signal shared it. This is from the Heritage Foundation, which had, through a Freedom of Information Act request, found the new terms. Now, here's what here's the terms. Uh, based, look maxing, Chad, Stacy, incel, red-pilled, black-pilled, blue-pilled, normie, and LARPing. Now, there's a few more on there, too, but those are some of the best ones. So remember, if you're going to go out there and uh, and look max yourself up to, to attract a, a wizard bride while you're LARPing, the FBI is going to come in and fuck your ass, buddy. So just keep your hat on. And speaking of hats, that's where I made my little song. I was going to play music with it, but I think it's funny without it. You just got to sing it to the Mexican hat dance theme. It goes just like this. I'm based, I'm based, I'm based. I look like being Chad at that. I LARP, I LARP, I LARP. As Stacy around the hat. I'm red-pilled and black-pilled and incel. My favorite urban is called Bastille. It's fa- it's enough to get me called race to still. So the FBI's got me on that. It's over. The song that is. I'll sing it a little slower so you can hear all the lyrics. Oh, It's Over's also on there. Apparently, It's Over's a thing that these dangerous extremists say all the time. It's over. 
<sighs> I'm based, I'm based, I'm based. A looks like me. I keep, that's pretty hard to say. I'm based, I'm based, I'm based. A look maxing, chat at that. I LARP, I LARP, I LARP. A Stacy around the hat. I'm red pilled and black pilled and incel. My favorite herb is called base still. That's enough to get me called racist still. So the FBI's got me on that. Good fucking shit. You're welcome. You're welcome for all that. Sure, somebody can have fun clipping that out, sending it to the Mexican American Foundation for Equality. And finally getting me canceled, mercifully getting me canceled. Then I can go on in forward. So that'd be fun. All right. Last thing, guys, then we'll wrap this episode up. So, yeah, this is the one that uh, that Schneider, hashtag the Schneidering, got me with and, uh, and retweeted, which is what I called the absolute most idiotically stupid study ever concocted in regards to global warming. Now, this is a study that was done by the Dartmouth College, and it was done by a uh, some undergrad is the leading author of this, but also was co-authored by uh, sorry doctoral student Christopher Callahan. It was co-authored with Nathal Domini, a excuse me a professor of anthropology, and Jeremy De Silva, the chair of the anthropology department, and Justin Mankin, an assistant professor who. Studies climate variability and the risks posed by global warming. So you've got these four people in there doing the stupidest study ever conducted in the history of the world. Their argument is that there are 500 more home runs that were hit between the period of, let's see, it was a 10-year period, oh, 2010 to 2019, at least 500 additional home runs. Now, their math to getting to this number is too stupid to even bother going into, as is their rationale, which is especially uh, interesting considering the fact that they even acknowledge within their own paper that the climate is a tiny fraction of the increase in home runs, which the increase in home runs is something like, I mean, I was looking at it, it just in, in a couple of years, it went from like, oh, here you go. The number of home runs has varied annually from 4,186 in 2014 to 6,776 in 2019. And they said, if climate trends continue, there'll be 192 additional long balls by 2050 and almost 500 more per season by 2100. Now, number one, as they say, their stupid climate bullshit is a teeny portion, if it has any impact at all, a teeny portion of what would increase home runs. And as we said here, the fact that there was 2,500 home run difference between between uh, you know 2014 and 2019 shows you that there's a quite a lot going on here, including, let me list them off here, steroid use, uh, analytics, right? You know, if, if now everybody's breaking down all the pitchers, all their moves, you got pitch tipping, which is a big deal. Obviously, you found out in the World Series. You've got people redesigning ballparks. For example, Citizens Bank Park for my precious Philadelphia Phillies, World Series losers, Philadelphia Phillies. When they built that park, it's got, I believe, the right field, which is way closer in than Veterans Stadium used to be, way closer in than the average baseball stadium. And thus, guess what? They tend to cater to lefty hitters who have power in order to blast balls out to that fucking shortened right field. This happens a lot. All these stadiums are different. The new Marlins Stadium they built is like something really short. I mean, the fact that they redesigned these stadiums to make it a little bit easier to hit home runs because home runs are popular 
from Major League Baseball perspective, also leads to increase in home runs. Guess what else? And this is what I said in the tweet. They also juice the fucking balls. There's the live ball era. There's the dead ball era. And they are constantly making adjustments to the balls for a very specific reason. That reason is that they like to have more home runs. And they tend to juice the balls. That means the springiness. That means the density is not there. It means they're going to bounce a little bit more. They're going to go a little bit farther. None of this shit has to do with fucking climate change. None of it. And let's not forget, there's also indoor stadiums. There's also stadiums that open the top. They open the roofs on nice days. They close them on cloudy days. Like There's so many variables here to try to pinpoint it on a less than two degree variation. And even that is hard to be proven. If you actually look into any of the numbers that they're showing here, if you look into satellite data, it seems that there's virtually nothing at all. But let's just say that it, let's just let's give them a benefit of doubt and say one and a half degrees increase. But they're looking at worldwide. Right? They looked at worldwide. This isn't even like they went and sat down putting a thermometer in the batter's box, right? To see how hot it was, or up in the air above the stadium to see how hot it was. None of that. No, they just looked at global trend data. And then they were just like, ah, let's just say 50 more a year. Eh, why not? I mean, it's it's so fucking dumb that the fact that assholes at NBC published it, the fact that, you know, this, this story got picked up and it goes to show you just how disingenuous not only the media is, but academia is. I mean, this story is so stupid. It should have been in the annals of those fantastic you know, articles that were published in all these peer reviewed journals. Cause they say up right up front peer reviewed. Oh, it was peer reviewed. It was reviewed by other assholes who work for global warming journals and have no respectability because we know these journals don't publish anything that doesn't go along with the established narrative, the quote unquote settled science that we've been told that global warming is going to massacre us all. And yet not a single prediction has ever come true for global warming. Not a one. They keep telling us that the oceans are rising. They keep telling us that the glaciers are coming. They keep telling us the ice is gone. Well, the ice all came back momentously right? This past year, especially we just had the coldest winter, the rainiest winter in California. We now have nothing to fear from our, from our water supply up in the Sierra Nevadas. We have no wildfires because guess what? Those were not caused by climate change. They were exacerbated by bad forest policy, AKA not clearing out underbrush and cutting down trees like they should, because the eco warriors wanted to save all the trees until you log is bad. Well, guess what? There's a function for that. <laughs> it stops forest fires from spreading, but all these forest fires weren't started by global warming anyway. They're started by homeless people, which we do have a massive problem created by Gavin Newsom, setting fires and then them raging out of control or from power lines falling down. Point being, it's ridiculous to accept this study. It should have been right next to the one where they talked about how it was something like, you know, the the patriarchy of dogs fucking other dogs in the dog park, which, again, was accepted and ran in several peer reviewed journals, but was total nonsense. It was a joke to showcase just how ridiculous these journals are and how activism collection of data, which this is, have no place in a real scientifically based society, which is what we should be trying to get to on some level. So good job, idiots, in creating the dumbest study I've ever read, <laughs> the most completely scientifically inaccurate, at, at, at best, guesswork, 
And really something that I would say, you know, should have ran as a, as a pure joke or at best a third grade science fair. That's where this belongs. And yet, without any questioning, shitbag organizations like NBC News say climate change is leading to more home runs, study finds. At least question it. At least question it. Ridiculous. What you shouldn't question is whether or not you should support the Lions of Liberty. Go to patreon.com or you can go to our uh, our locals. We've got a locals as well. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. You can get our uh, bonus content, bonus interviews. You can get extras like I did with uh, with Matt Pataglia. We do our Q&A with Robbie the Fire. Of course, we also do Good Morning Fuckhead, my daily rant show. We also do Secrets, Lies, and Cover-Ups. All sorts of wonderful things. And even if you don't like to listen to extra content, how about you just support us? We're doing this. We're not making it full time. We don't. I'm not a millionaire here working full time doing this podcast as much as I would love to do that. Would I even like to do that? Probably. Hey, let's, let's give it a shot. Why don't we get there? And I'll make the choice when we get there. How about that? But in the meantime, please throw us some ducats. Subscribe to the show. We've got a Felony Friday solo feed as well. If you don't like me, fine. You can subscribe to John's Felony Friday. Felony Friday. Finding Freedom feed. If you don't like John, you can subscribe to the Mean Age Daydream feed. I also put up some bonus material up there from time to time on that solo feed. Uh, the rant about, um, what did I do a rant on? I can't remember now. Trans, trans rights. You can find my whole rant about trans rights, about 15, 20 minute show over there. And I'll do those fairly regularly, maybe like once every couple of weeks, I'll throw it up there. So that's it. Hope this show was all you could ask for and more. You wonderful base Chad, Stacy, incel, LARPing, looks maxing, red pilled, black pilled, blue pilled, normie fucks. Thank you for listening. I am Brian McWilliams. This has been Mean Age Daydream from the Lions of Liberty Network. And I remind you to keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.